Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. Delighted that you've joined us today. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Talker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Enlightened investors, our guest is a top contributor to Bigger Pockets and the author of the book, From Zero to 400 Units. He is also the host of the Real Estate Experience Podcast. Sterling White is a multifamily investor specializing in value-add apartments in the Indianapolis and other Midwestern markets and has been investing in real estate for over a decade. Sterling, before we go into real estate, share with us a memorable experience from your formative years that shaped who you are today. Got it. So I've got a good one uh, for everyone. Be sure that you have brought your popcorn and also whatever kind of bag you have, because we're about to drop some golden nuggets. So you'll definitely want to pick those up as we go. So my very pivotal moment or story that I've had, I'll keep it very brief for everyone, is the, the day I attempted a Guinness World Record. And it was the world's fastest fireman carry mile. No, I'm not a fireman, in case you're wondering. But I, I carry someone in a fireman's position that's equivalent weight to me. So if you've seen the movie, I think it's Hackshaw Ridge. Have you seen that uh, before? I have not seen that. No. Okay. But on the front cover, there's a guy that has them in the fireman's position. So what I do is I run around the track and I have to beat a time and it's a mile. So what I did is I picked this goal. It scared the absolute crap out of me. I trained for a year and a half and the day of the attempt is I absolutely bombed it in front of tons of people. It was on the news. I only made it halfway and I dropped the person. And when their feet touched the ground, once the attempt has started, it's over. But one thing that I learned is that failure is not so bad, Alan. I had this big limiting belief for the longest time that how bad failure is. And then I experienced that on a large scale. And that was a huge unlock for me. Disappointing, I'm sure, after preparing for a whole entire year. Why in the world would you want to break the Guinness World Record for fireman race? So I read the book, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Mm. And he talked about just doing things out of your comfort zone. One of the things he talked about is just if you're in a busy place at the mall or something, just get on the ground and just lay there because, I mean, you, you're just doing, thing out of, doing things out of your comfort zone. And so, what I did was I picked that goal and it scared me. And at that point, as I said, well, if I'm experiencing this, this is when I should lean into it. And through that whole time of training, the first three months I was squatting, my back went out and I was bed rested for a couple of weeks and I still healed, got back at it. And then also a couple of weeks prior to the actual event, the person I was training with, he backed out. So all of these things came up that I had to overcome and I could have easily quit. 
uh, which I would have formally done in the, the past, but that's that whole time is that's when I was able to, to break through, but just really getting out of my comfort zone was why I picked that record. Uh-huh. Well, uh, interesting trajectory there. Let's go into real estate. And I am uh, always wanting to learn more about finding off-market deals because competition is less. And sometimes you can find some real diamonds in the rough. And you've had some experience with off-market deals. So take us through that. How do you find them? How do you deal with uh, sellers who are selling off-market? Yeah. And when I refer to off-market is we actually go direct to owner ourselves. And that's my side of the, the company. And I had the acquisitions arm. So I'll just talk through the very first deal where this was a 46-unit apartment complex. At that time, I was driving. This was in 2017. Took the driving for dollars approach. Hopped in my 2001 Honda Accord. Was driving around looking for properties that needed work. Found this one specific property that was very bland. Signage was outdated. The parking lot looked like an alligator's back. And then pulled the public record, saw who owned the property, skipped trace to find their contact information, and then picked up the phone. And it just turned out this was their very last apartment that they were selling. We were able to get seller financing because it was 60% occupied. So we bought it for $900,000 put $200,000 down and then raise additional $485,000 from investors to take care of the improvements. Enlightened Investors will be right back after this important announcement. I have a big ask that will only take a moment of your time. Ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of our podcast. So to leave a review, iPhone or other Apple iOS device users, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. For all you non-Apple device users, go to podchasers.com. On either platform, search for Real Estate Investing Abundance. Once found, please leave a review and a rating. Subscriptions are also vital to our show's success, so please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It is free to subscribe, and you can unsubscribe at any time. And so do you continue to do that drive for dollars, so to speak, or uh, have you changed your techniques? What are you doing now to find off-market properties? Yeah. So now take the more scalable approach. So just pull our leads from certain databases, CoStar, Reonomy. Those are the ones that we found better on the commercial side, not affiliated with any of those. And so that's where we now pull the data, drop it into our CRM, and we do outbound calls. And then we'll follow up with direct mail. Uh huh. And is that pretty effective? What is your success rate in that? It's a numbers game. And for every 175 to 200 properties we're looking at is we'll close on one. We'll submit 10 letter of intents. And out of those 10 letter of intents, one will actually go to contract and we'll actually close on it. Well, that's really a pretty good rate. Uh, If you're getting 10 out of 175 or so contacts, that's almost 3%. Is that right? Yeah, I would say roughly around that. Correct. So that's, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Pretty good return there. Well, once you find these, how do you talk to owners? How do you get them interested? Once you get them interested, how do you bargain with them? Yeah. So the main thing, and I had someone ask me this question, they said, how do you negotiate and get someone who doesn't want to sell their property to sell their property? I said, well, I mean, you could do something unethical to try and get them. But what what I'm saying is, because you wouldn't want to do that route and say, hey, you need to sell your property. But is the main thing is we look at it as... 
either someone wants to sell their property or they don't want to sell their property. So we go in, someone has to have certain problems, such as they may have inherited the, the property or one of the properties we bought, which was an 80 unit, is the owner. He owned it for a very long time. His son, he thrown into the fire to manage the property. He had no business experience, let alone property management experience. So I developed a relationship with the son who was basically the influencer. And he kept pushing all the pain points up to the, the father to sell the, the property. So that's are the types of things that we're looking for. And more so people who are mom and pop versus someone who owns five, six, 10, tw- 20 properties. So you find it easier to deal with the mom and pop than the more sophisticated, I guess I would say, investors who own more than one property? Yeah, because they'll just look at us and say, why would we sell to you? We could just list it on the market and get more than top dollar. Uh, Yeah. Well, once you found the property, of course, that's just the beginning of the process and just one step and multiple steps in syndicating properties. Another big part of the equation is getting your investors for that equity portion of the property. How do you go about raising that money? How do you go about finding investors and influencing investors? Yeah. So my part has been the also marketing side. So being on podcasts such as this, contributing to to bigger pockets, having my own podcast, and attending different conferences, being a speaker at those conferences. So these are all away from a content marketing standpoint as a way to bring in leads, being in prospective investors. And then from there is we'll ensure that we push out a lot of content. That way we're able to get a high amount of investors because some decide to move forward, some don't. And then once we have a deal available, that's when we don't general solicit anything. So we target both accredited and non-accredited investors. And so once we go under contract on a deal, we'll have the due diligence period. Once we have the green light, that's when we'll start raising money from our investors. Well, how are you structuring your syndications? Yeah, we just go Reg D. So we do straight equity now. We were doing preferred return, uh-huh. but our, our most recent deal, which was uh, 150 units, is we structured that 85% to our LPs, limited partners. And then both my partner and I got the remaining 15% of the equity. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Would you ever invest all your money in a single stock? Very unlikely. Yet investors are willing to risk $50,000 to $100,000 in a single property in real estate all the time. Avestor is the world's first customizable real estate investment platform. Investors can build their own custom portfolio selecting investments across multiple asset classes such as single-family homes, multifamily, student housing, self-storage, and shopping centers. You can also invest across multiple markets and different time frames. Avestor also enables other real estate entrepreneurs and syndicators to build and use Avestor's infrastructure and cloud platform to create their own customizable real estate funds. To learn more, visit us at investorinc.com. Avestor, real estate investing made simple. I guess there's, of course, a lot of discussion as to whether or not preferred returns for limited partners is the way to go. And some investors insist on that. Others, I guess, would like that, but that's only part of the deal. So how do you deal with that question, preferred? You didn't do it in this last raise. So how did you deal with that question? So in that case, is it's not a, a fit. And we've delivered from investors have seen our previous experience and our track record and our payouts that they felt comfortable going the, the straight equity route. But you still have those investors because 
we look at it as a product that investors are looking at our opportunities and comparing them with others. And they'll say, okay, we're comparing apples to apples. You guys have straight equity. I prefer the preferred return. And I know preferred on preferred return, but, and we'll, we'll just go with this one. But the thing that I've experienced, and we had this on one of our deals, and part of the reason why we shifted is, let's say you have a preferred return on the deal and a pandemic happens and you have an 8% prep and you're only able to get 3 or 4%, then that's just going to move on to the next year. Because, I mean, depending on how you structure your deal, but I mean, majority of the time, that's how they'll, they'll do it. But is you could really dig yourself in a hole. And we had a deal to where unforeseen things happen and we sold the property and then that's where we had to catch up. So that's one of the reasons why we just shifted to a straight equity model. Yeah, it makes sense. You can really dig your hole with preferred returns there and you can never predict the future. And as much as people like to think it's always going to go up, that is never going to happen. What I mean, a pandemic happened. I just spoke with an investor the other day and he said, yeah, I bought a deal right before that happened. It's how do you put that in your underwriting? A pandemic? Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I mean, the same thing happened in 2008. It wasn't a pandemic, but it was certainly a financial crisis, actually much worse than what we were hit with with the pandemic. And who saw that coming? Well, there were some prophets who said they did. I don't know if they really saw it or they just got lucky with that prediction. But most of us didn't see that coming. Uh, and who does? I mean, we're always thinking it's always going to go up. It doesn't, though, I can tell you. I was there in 2008. So talk to us a little bit here about financing. What kind of financing do you look for? What kind of financing do investors like to see in a deal? Yeah. So on the, the financing side, so the most recent deal we were able to get, and we like to lower leverage, meaning that we don't like to go as high as 70% loan to value on a deal. So that's what we did on our most recent. We did a fixed rate on the interest rate, and then we were able to get an interest only period of two years. So what that is, we still underwrite the deal as if we didn't have the interest only because the interest only is going to drop at some point. So we don't want to heavily bake that into our underwriting and financials. So that's what I would say. And then one of the things we talked about offline is just ensuring that we're always stress testing each of our deals that say, okay, worst case, the property gets at 70, 75% vacancy or even oftentimes lower is, will we be able to still have enough income to be able to service the, the debt and the financing? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. As an industry-leading, relationship-focused, design-build construction firm, Mosaic Construction has worked in many different asset classes from multifamily to retail, medical, industrial, and commercial. Mosaic Construction works to execute interior and exterior renovations with their team of trades and project managers. Their experience with value-add improvements has resulted in increased ROI and long-term value of the assets. They work nationally in partnership with local trades to deliver thoughtful, problem-solving construction management solutions to all their clients. For a personal no-obligation consultation, call Ira Singer, 773-491-3145, or email Ira at mosaicconstruction.net. You can also find Ira on LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's always a good step is to stress test those deals there. And if you don't, you will someday you're going to be sorry you didn't. May not be this deal, but there's going to be a deal that's going to 
come back and bite you. Well, you talked a little bit about mindset with your experiences with the firefighter race there, but talk to us a little bit more about mindset, how you've developed a mindset to actually become a multifamily investor. So I'm a firm believer that it all starts with mindset. I know many people that have all the mechanics, the, the tactics, the techniques, the education. They still haven't taken action. So myself, Alan, I grew up in the roughest parts of Indianapolis, single mother, and I grew up in welfare, Section 8 housing. At six years old, almost lost my life to a stray bullet. Just both my brother and I were in the kitchen. We were eating like Raymond noodles and cut up hot dogs. And then as soon as we go upstairs, a bullet comes right through the back paddle where we were sitting. So oh my yeah, I may not be here. He may not be here, but ended up taking that. And instead of most people would take the victim mindset and oh, I was dealt lemons. I'm just going to live life this way and be another statistic. I decided to make uh, lemonade out of those lemons. And I listened to Earl Nightingale, very influential uh, for me, the Jim Rohn's, the Zig Ziglar's. And I had to rewire a lot of my thinking because one of the limiting beliefs that I had, which was very bad, that in order to become rich and wealthy and those people who are there, they had to do unethical things. And they're also bad people. So just imagine having that belief in, I don't want to be rich and wealthy. I mean, they only got there and they're bad people. So these are all the things that I basically had to, lack of better words, unbrainwash myself or re-brainwash myself in the better way. And how did you come about doing that? One, I surrounded myself with entirely different people. That was another pivotal moment that I had. But one was surrounding myself with entirely different people. Second was cutting out the news. And then third was I was listening to Earl Nightingale every single day. I, I remember getting his CDs from the library and I listened to him so many times they end up scratching. And I would also go to sleep listening to him as well, listening to lead the field, essence of success, courage and self-esteem, because I had to build the courage and self-esteem because just growing up is people I saw on a daily basis told me I wasn't going to amount to anything. So these are all the things I just had to build that up. And luckily, listening to other people say, hey, you are enough. You can make something out of yourself. It's possible. Well, I like how you said cutting out the news. Boy, news is certainly toxic, isn't it? Oh, just uh, What a waste of time. Uh, it's all propaganda anyway, it seems to me like. So. so you changed your whole mindset. Earl Nightingale was kind of your savior there. Who introduced you to Earl Nightingale or did you just stumble across it yourself? I just happened to just stumble across it myself. I have no idea how that happened. But out of all people, he was the one I came across. And the strangest secret was the actual first thing I, I came across. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. And maybe I believe I had read the book, Think and Grow Rich. And then Earl Nightingale does like a summary of Think and Grow Rich. So I believe that's maybe how I came across it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just a little surprised. Uh, I mean, Earl Nightingale seems... So last century, and I'm surprised someone your age has even heard of him. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you came across him. I mean, even though he is kind of dated there, his message is pretty universal and timeless. But a lot of people your age may not see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and when I do mention Earl Nightingale, people say the same exact thing. Like, how do you know Earl Nightingale? <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you found him because he certainly does have some good messages. And I'm glad you did. And I'm glad you found a different path there. 
and you said you found other people to associate with. That often is one of the most challenging things because sometimes we have to leave, I mean, even loved ones behind, and it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I've worked in higher education for, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but I mean, I have had students who are raising themselves up and going through higher education, and when they go home, they have to put on an entirely different persona, they have to dress differently, they have to talk differently and act differently or else they experience rejection. How was that for you? I did experience that. And I don't want to get, well, that's a different story, but I tend to be a extremist in the way I do things. I'm either one way, one way, or I'm either the other way. So I don't really work in between. It's a double-edged sword. There's pros and cons with that. But when I had that pivotal, another pivotal moment for me, and I'll just make it very quick, is I was at a college party uh, doing what college kids do. And I ended up drifting away from everyone. And I was out in the middle of this lake uh, on the boat. Beaming question asked me, Sterling, is this what you want to do with your life? And I answered back, no. And then that's when I did those three key things that I mentioned was I created a difference around the cast, cut out the news and mindset. But for me is I knew the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And I knew that the people that were around me, great people, nothing wrong with them. But I knew that if I wanted to grow, that they would not be the right people. So I just completely cut myself off from society as a whole of those people. And when in a separate, I cut my phone off or I believe I couldn't actually afford my phone bill. So it actually just cut, cut itself off. And I, I kid you not, that's when things really just excelled for me. And even still to this day is I don't allow certain people into my life that I feel are toxic or negative, even if they are family. And I know some people have a different perspective on that, but I enjoy my, my peace, quiet and freedom. Yeah, there's always a price to be paid, though, isn't there? And those are things we have to be ready for and prepared for. Well, Sterling, you're a very interesting person and have certainly grown as a person and as an individual, and I'm sure a lot of people would like to connect with you. So how can we get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's just simply Sterling White Official. One more time, that is Sterling White Official. So any questions that you happen to have, you can just slide into the DM, which is direct message, just in case you all are wondering. And then I've got my company website, which is Sonder Investment Group. And that is S-O-N-D-E-R investmentgroup.com. All righty. Well, Sterling, I've got one more question for you before we close here. And I ask this question because, well, we're all going to face this moment in time. But I also think it's very important to live in the moment. And we never know when the end is coming. So imagine that you have come to the end of your life. And I hope that's a long time from now, but it may be tomorrow. Who knows? So imagine you have come to the end of your life. And as you lay on your deathbed, what will you look back on? with your greatest sense of joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction? This is actually a fantastic question. I would say that I was an individual that was a message and an ideal that the kid, and I remember being in that very tough environment, not knowing that there was a way out and I was lost. And to myself to keep pushing and creating a path for someone that, hey, if he was able to do it, he exactly was where I was. And I don't have to take this path is gang related activity, drugs, and then Robert, all those different things that is statistically where I should have been. 
but just being an idea and the message that people start to reach out to me and say, Sterling, you impacted me. I didn't take this path. I took this path and I definitely appreciate you for that. So that's what I would say, looking back that I was, that I'm able to make an impact on people who are in those settings that feel as if they don't know that that they don't have a way out. Well, it looks like you're doing a great job of that. And I give you great kudos for doing that. And thank you so much, Sterling, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And I hope we can stay connected in the future here. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on, Alan. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at Steve. Taco.com.